And we're back. This is episode four of what is now the Coffee and Gaming Podcast, but that name may be under uh, scrutiny. Is that the best way to put it? Might be revised at some point. You are hearing the voice of my lovely co-host. You may know her in some circles as Enchantress Nix. You may know her in other circles as the Fasting Shaman. She is the one, the only, my wife, Nika. Well, hello, everybody. Hello, Nika. How's it going today? Awesome. How's we your coffee over there? Perfect. Hot and steaming. Nika will not eat or drink anything that isn't piping hot. I love piping hot coffee. Some people wonder how she can touch the dishes she touches. I'm a witch. Or a wizard. Or a wizard in other circles. Wow, lots of circles over there. I know. What's on their podcast today? Well, today on the agenda, we have uh, one of our favorite places to visit. We're breaking down the grocery store for people, and uh, we're looking at sort of breaking down the grocery store from a nutritional value and, and how we've learned to shop and get around the grocery store. Great topic. Fascinating topic. There's going to be lots of little pieces of information in here, and I think it's something important. You know, like what you put on your table begins with what you buy at the store. Absolutely. The food has to come from somewhere. Absolutely. So we're going to help you learn how to put better food on your table at the end of the day. We'll definitely try. And then after that, we're going to talk about uh, one of our favorite topics these days, baseball. Week one, we're recapping it. We're looking at the early storylines in the season, division by division, and some early trends and some some hot takes maybe that uh, are going on. I know you brought up stolen bases to me earlier. <laughs> like the rules normally. have definitely changed, <laughs> I think, with baseball this year. And uh, I've seen a lot of good things that have come out of it. And I also feel like there's some small, scary things that I don't like about it. So we'll get into all that in a minute. Um, but back to the grocery store. And I'm not necessarily the resident expert of the grocery store, but um, I think we've learned how to navigate the grocery store with our lifestyle. If, if this is your first time listening to us, um, Nika and I do intermittent fasting. And we eat uh, mostly a high-fat, low-carbohydrate diet, or whatever you want to call it, lifestyle. We prefer the word lifestyle. We don't like to think of our way of eating as in any way restrictive. Oh. Because um, we don't really eat with any limitations when we do eat. Um, the only limitation that we really follow is the time window and the fat to carbohydrate ratio. We want it to be 80% in the direction of fat. And were you forgetting protein in there? Well, of course, but I think a lot of fatty foods do have high protein. Absolutely. So when you're eating a high fat diet, you're getting protein too. Most of the 99% of the Yes, you're absolutely right. The good protein comes with fat, good fat. And we are talking mostly animal-based. We're not talking some um, other stuff. But yes, you're correct. For sure. Yeah, this isn't like trans fats or anything like that. It's just anything from nature. Yes. Eggs. Whole uh, foods. Whole foods. So yeah, hopefully that brings you up to speed on like how we eat. And yeah, so um, we find tremendous health benefits from this lifestyle. And uh, we talk about some of those things on our previous podcast. Um, so please check those out. 
But so you you can learn all about all the why the reasons we eat the way we do uh, if you check those out. But today we want to focus on the store and we want to focus on navigating that grocery store. Some of them are bigger than others, of course. But what we have found is that the same kind of general rule applies to the grocery store, no matter the size. And that is the rule number one. Rule number one? Don't shop in the middle of the store. Shop the edges. Absolutely. That that was... um. What do we mean by that, Nika? Well, I would say whole food item that you can find will be on the outskirts of every single aisle in this store. We're just talking like grocery outlets. We're living in the city, so we do a lot of shopping in the city. Well, I mean, you bring up a good, you bring up a lot. So okay, let's, let's unpack. It. Let's let's back up a little bit. Oh, sure. Let's let's go to just the like the grocery store in general. Why the edges? Well, the edges are the area where carbohydrates don't exist. <laughs> um, found along the edges of grocery stores, whether it's Walmart or Jewel or whatever Albertsons, Ralphs. Ralphs, whatever your region is. Obviously, there's different names for these stores. Uh, we come from the Midwest and we live on the West Coast. So those are some of the names we've mentioned. But regardless of that, whichever store that you're in, it's all going to be the same. You're going to find your meat along the edges. Yes, your dairy, your eggs, I don't know, milk, all that stuff, and your pro- produce. Yeah, uh, which produce are probably the vegetables and fruits or starches are on one side mm-hmm. of the store. Then you go around and you get the meats, the dairies, and then you get to fresh foods. Fresh foods. Basically, things that have a expiration date. <laughs> yes. I mean, they can't sell them after a week, you know? Oh, well, they try, but yes. <laughs> Regardless of when they sell them, um, they are put out with a time limit and versus like the box of macaroni and cheese that gets put on there in aisle eight, you know, that, that can sit there for a couple of years, months, years, theoretically. So edges, concentrate the edges on the are where edges. the fresh food is and fresh food is good for your diet. Yes. And you might think, oh, but all, all these foods I buy outside, I have to make something out of that. It's not pre-made. You have to omit the bakery, though. Well, <laughs> that's on yeah, the edge. Too. The, the bakery is on the edge, but that that doesn't count. Right? We don't we don't eat bakery bakery breads, <laughs> cupcakes. Nah. But there are there are other tips and tricks that we're going to be revealing in the future for how you can get your cupcake fix, maybe. Uh, oh yeah. Or your pizza crust fix. So coming soon. Stay tuned. But yeah, skip the bakery. Even even skip the deli. You know, oh, definitely skip the deli. That processed meats the, most of the time. Yeah. You, you don't need the cheese from there. Mm. The You can get some of the prepackaged cheese, which is found along the edge of the store as well. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and you also can find, like, better cheese at Trader's Joe if you go there or maybe some of the... Uh, we have a grocery outlet. ...expansive, you know, choices. Um, we, we tend to favor, like, Gouda cheese, Munster cheese. Harvati. We... Oh, and then the goat. Um, the goat cheese. We had the brie goat cheese. The yeah. goat cheese. Mm, and the reason we go with the goat, it, it has less lactose in it, so it's a little easier on the digestion. Oh, yeah, things. absolutely. So, yeah, that's skip the deli, skip the bakery. You don't need it. Um, get right into the, like... Meat and produce. That's it. Yeah. Um, really. Whatever your, your choice is, I mean, like, 
If you want to have steak every day, that's up to you. Um, we tend to have burgers a lot because we like them. We like them. Good on the grill. Also, we are uh, we are money conscious, you know, like everybody else's. Good food is expensive. So we are on the budget, and I buy on sale stuff, try to stock up. And ground beef can be very rewarding and cheap. <laughs> yeah, you can get a lot for a long way. Yeah. Or uh, a lot, a little bit goes a long way. Um, that's what I meant to say. Thank you. <laughs> so we walk the edges of the store and we primarily skip the middle. Now I do want to highlight a couple of things. Like we dip into the middle for coffee. Yes. I'm trying to think of some other things we dip into the middle for. Sometimes peanut butter. If Sure. So that will be peanut butter. Um, gets yeah, we, we did out ourselves about peanut butter last week. We did. We yep. did. Bad. Another teaser. <laughs> If you haven't listened to last week's show yet, um, learn about the wonderful joys that we have had with peanut butter. Peanut butter. But yeah, you brought up another point that uh, butter, butter is butter? on the on the edge of the. Oh yeah, it's dairy as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's part Egg. of dairy, but yeah, we don't want, we don't want margarine or any of that crap though. Like oh gosh no. We want full on fat salted butter. Yeah, think about where your great grandparents ate. That's that's the that's uh, the butter we're looking for. That's the butter we're looking for exactly. <laughs> Basically, the one that they said is horrible for us our whole life. Yeah. Um. Okay. So I wanted to point one thing out. Sure. Um. That you've learned. You've gone to the grocery store early in the morning, uh, to find meat specials. Yes, I do. How does that work? A lot of times, the meat, the fresh meat, the ground beef, the steaks. Uh, has an expiration date. So whatever is coming close to expiration date, or sometimes even a week, it will be put out on sale by half off. So I can get three pounds of ground beef for over a little less than the six bucks or six dollars, depends on the sale of that week. And do you find that this meat is like... Uh, it's good. Well, do you find that it's... it's uh, how, how long has it been out before it's been put on sale? I don't know. I look at it the way it looks to me. It looks red. It looks healthy. I take it. We're going to eat it, have some kind of uh, issue later. If it smells bad, yes, I'm not going to use it. But otherwise, it's good meat. All right. And especially when it comes, I'm sorry, especially when it comes to red meat. You know, chicken is a little different. I'm going to, because it's chicken, I'm not really. Well, we don't eat a lot of chicken. We do eat uh, these chicken drumsticks that you make with. Pork rinds? Yes, I use yeah. pork rinds and uh, Parmesan cheese to, to make them bread Excellent. it. Yeah. Um, okay, so one thing I wanted to ask you about this, though, is what what's, like, the best time? Is it best to go right when it opens, or does it, does it need to be, like, a couple of hours after opening? And this is kind of like a daily occurrence, right? Because they put meat out every day, therefore some outgoing meat is going to be on special every day. Spot on. That's exactly what happens. At least in my mind, that's what I've noticed as a shopper. I don't do this every day. Find deals in the morning. Uh, early morning is that's when the day crew comes in and marks stuff, uh, right. all the things down. So yeah, no, that makes sense. Past ten o'clock though, all sales are gone. Right. So I'm not the only one that's uh, got into this. <laughs> no, no. So if you if you listen to our podcast, like maybe maybe keep it to yourself and and. Try it. See how the situation works out for you before you start telling everybody around you know, everyone and your mother about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As the old saying goes. You find good deals in the mornings. And, and I understand not everybody can shop in the morning, but one day maybe even Sunday's morning, 
Ralph said Sunday's morning have the best sales. Ralph's is part of the which family of grocery stores? Kroger, Mariano's. I think they all. Gotcha. I Kroger bought Mariano's. Yeah, I, I I get confused. These buyouts are happening all the time, and I used to work in like somewhat of a grocery store advertising video capacity, and I remember a lot of these families change hands and mm-hmm. like get sold or bought out by other people, and it's right. an interesting business, which is uh, also makes a lot of this more confusing. It is because it creates this monopoly, and it shouldn't. If you think about what we're telling you or what we're sharing with our success is that a, a large portion of the grocery store is unnecessary. And, and we definitely believe that. Mm-hmm. Even when we go to Trader's Joe, we walk through the aisles because the store is small, but we do shop on the outskirts of the aisles because that's where the meat is, the cheese, the eggs. And Trader's Joe does have really good eggs. Yeah. So that brings me to my next point oh. is eggs. Because <laughs> eggs is a kind of topical food if you want to be honest about where we're at the eggs were in the news a lot because of their price um their price was going up crazy by a lot um yeah. and one of the things we noticed is we mentioned last week there was a trader's joe or trader joe's i don't remember what it's called traders traders joe traders joe Trader so there was joe. a traders joe across the street from us and The one thing that we noticed is they have the best price on eggs. It it didn't really go up a lot from where it was, at least from where it was to like maybe the other stores. So it's just one thing we wanted to kind of point out because there is Traders Traders Joe in Illinois and Traders Joe in California, and there's a lot in between. Mostly, though, in urban areas, we get it, but they do tend to have the best price on eggs. So if Mm -hmm. you're looking for a bargain on eggs, go to Traders Joe and go early. Yes, their eggs haven't changed price since we lived in California last time. Okay, so, so going back like yeah. two, three years here, they have roughly been at the same price mm-hmm. point. Yeah. And another thing we'll say is that if you don't go early, don't be surprised if they're sold out that day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so just like these mm-hmm. meat specials, you know, the same thing applies to the eggs at Trader's Joe. Yeah. And I will learn how to say that store's name correctly before <laughs> this podcast is over with. Okay, one of the last things I wanted to talk about is this 20% of where we get our carbs. And we do eat carbs. We we can't avoid them in our life. Nika and I want something sweet. We want to enjoy life's indulgences. As anybody else, there's nothing wrong with having a treat. However, we do kind of want to adhere to these strict guidelines. So one of the ways we get around the sugar conundrum is with ice cream. Yes. And it just so happens that people have invented ice cream for our kinds of lifestyle. They did. They did. And while we wanted to share that two of our favorites that I feel like give me that good old-fashioned ice cream feeling. Okay. Um, creamy and are, sweet. Well, yeah, creamy and, and I guess... Flavorful. Flavorful and, and not, not dry. Um, which we'll get into maybe in a second. So the brands that you're looking for are Rebel. Yes. And Enlightened. Those are the two we noticed. Now, Enlightened can be tricky because it should say keto on the packaging. Okay. If you want the higher fat and lower sugar. They don't have sugar added to them. They do have erythritol stevia blends, but they do not have added sugar. And the cream for Rebel ice cream is lactose-free. But these are going to give you also a low net carb yield. 
Yes. Towards your whatever diet allotment. Yeah. If you're looking for an ice cream because you have a craving, I will gravitate toward Rebel ice cream versus a tub of whatever ice cream there is in this store that is loaded with sugar. Absolutely. They have a really wide range of flavors. We tend to love the butter pecan, the vanilla. If you can find it, we haven't been able to find it in California. I love the coffee one too. And then the coffee chip. They just really nail it with a lot of these flavors. And yeah, you can't go wrong. If you find a flavor you're looking for, I'm guaranteeing you that it will satisfy. I'm going to plug Woodman's over here because that's the best place to find Rebel ice cream. And Woodman's is Illinois, Wisconsin. There might be other areas. I'm going to look at the map right now on their website. It's a store that's employee-owned, which is nice. And it has the biggest selection of Rebel ice cream that we found so far, besides the Rebel webpage. And it's reasonably priced. Stuff that's trendy right now or that people in marketing think it's trendy, it's going to be pricey. Yeah. Unfortunately, Woodman's is just in Wisconsin and Chicago. Wow. And that's it. That's it, huh? It's it's gotten as far north as Green Bay and Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Okay. And it looks like it's there's one close to Naperville in Illinois. Mm, okay. Like well, a half an hour-ish away. Maybe near Schaumburg? I don't know. I'm checking. I Naperville. think there, there might be one by my mom's old place. There is, but I'm just talking about the general range. So that's okay. as far as they've gotten. It's unfortunate, but hopefully they keep expanding. They were a really great grocery store for what we needed. I mean, we didn't spend time in their aisles either. No, but it's a huge, huge store. Think of Costco, but three times as big. <laughs> <laughs> it is ginormous. Yeah. I mean, you need a map. It's almost like Ikea. Yeah. You need a map of where you're going. Um, okay. Another thing I wanted to bring up is a soda. Soda is something people love. It's something that's become kind of like a daily fixture. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and then you have people that are like drinking diet soda, thinking that they're getting a relief, but they're they're really still spiking their blood sugar because of the ingredients in it. It's empty calories, and that causes even more problems later because it's going to make you more thirsty, more hungry, and opens up the doorways for more sweets because it will trigger that so you're going to reach out for the donut or something else, and it just opens the door. Yeah, we, we found Zevia after Green Coke went away. Green Coke was like uh, Coke Life. Coke Life had half Stevia, half cane sugar in it, and th- it just went away. You know, like it, it sold out. Once I it was think- gone, it was gone, and it never came back. And I was really disappointed in Coke for that. Because I think it was too expensive to make. I think it might have been. And it was it cost quite a bit. It was like five bucks for a twelve pack versus yeah. like a lot of people gravitate towards like the four for twelve or the three for twelve. Yeah. And and so you start getting into that five, six dollars and, and we don't drink it a lot. You know, we would split a can or yeah. therefore you take like that already half sugar content, which is now in cane sugar, not high fructose. Yeah. And then you divide that by two. It was like, okay, you know, it was something that we would splurge on together once in a while. We had the eight ounce Pepsis going for a while that had the cane sugar in them as well. But yeah. we, we decided to get rid of it all. And, and now I do Zevia. You, you don't have bubbles, but I love my bubbles. I have to plug Zevia really quick as a, the one bubbled, uh, if you want to call it a soda or whatever, that you can get away with in this kind of lifestyle. Also, a really good reminder, Zevia is clear. doesn't have fake coloring added to that drinks. Right. Whether it tastes Coke, cherry Coke, or whatever the flavor is, it's always clear. Now if they can only figure out a way to do that with coffee. All right. I think we covered the food. <laughs> I think we covered food. Um, hopefully that helps people navigate the grocery store a little bit better. You can email us with questions. If yeah. you want to have more details like... 
how to shop better. I think some of the future topics might go into some more specifics about yogurt, maybe uh, yeah. more ice cream products. We'll, we'll kind of see where the conversation leads us. We have a lot of topics planned out and this was just sort of meant to be just a baseline starter kit for like how you navigate the grocery store. If you stick to the edges and- You'd be better off. Dip into the aisles for coffee, necessities, you know, needs, not wants. Keep your wants to the edges. Your, your eyes cannot deceive you. If you want juicy hamburger, if you want chips and salsa, skip it. Skip it. It's not worth, the chase is not worth the results at the end. Exactly. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, that was good. Hopefully we help. And moving on, we got some baseball to talk about. Um, Lots of baseball. Wow. Um, and in case you haven't noticed, baseball is just flying by these days. I mean, the games are going by a lot faster and the stolen bases are up a lot. So that means people are flying around the base paths. Um, oh, yeah. The game is a lot more exciting. I read somewhere today that the stolen bases are up to like 1.4 per game, which we haven't seen since the 1980s. And... That was when the average was 1.4 to 1.7 throughout the years. Okay. What made stolen bases in the 80s more pronounced versus the years that followed, the 90s and 2000s? I mean, good question. I think the biggest thing I would bring up is they had three big names that were, I can remember, always being threats. Ricky Henderson, Vince Coleman, and Tim Raines. These guys would run. They were there to run. They were leadoff hitters. You know, they would get on base and they would wreak havoc on the base paths. That was their mantra. You know? Okay. Like, they want that. They're there to make the pitcher feel uncomfortable. Okay, you know? so it was the players. It wasn't some rules or anything like yeah. that. Yeah, and, and it was just a strategy, you know? It's like, gotcha. we're going to make you feel uncomfortable. And I think what happened throughout the 90s more and through Moneyball is that it became looked at as a low percentage payoff. Oh, okay. You know, because guys would get thrown out stealing and then... The guy at the plate would walk, and then it's like, wow, that was just a wasted stolen mm -hmm. base attempt because he would have been on second base anyway. And those kinds of things started getting looked at. To make a long story short, you know, the the juice wasn't worth the squeeze. Okay. And then I think you know these guys' mantras that I'm I'm here to wreak havoc. Okay. I'm here to psychologically intimidate the pitcher. Mm -hmm. It was like a psychological. They, they, they just kind of went away too, you know, because of the the changing of the game. Okay. Know? You could probably make the same argument about Dennis Rodman, you know, like there's none of him in the NBA very much anymore. Yeah. Okay. But long story short, so what what's caused this change all of a sudden in Current. 2023? Well, um, the bases are bigger. Yes. So all of a sudden, the game of baseball, which is a game of inches. It is a game of inches, and the inches just got a little... The inches closer. just got a little bit more favorable to the runner. And then the other major rule change was that the, the pitchers can now only throw over to first base twice. So that's that's called holding a runner on. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you're trying to keep him honest over there. And, and if he gets off to a big lead, like, two times in a row, and you want to throw over there to keep him, quote-unquote, honest, all of a sudden, you've burned your two chances. Yeah. And so you're going to have a problem. That's anyway. True. Uh, but can he throw still to the second base? I think there's only two pickoff attempts allowed per at-bat, regardless oh. of the base. Okay, so that doesn't... So really I don't matter. think you can, like, spread him around, like, I'm going to throw over to third on this one. I'm going to yeah. throw to first. I'm going <laughs> to throw to second. Yeah, no. No. I could be proven wrong about that. I don't know that for a fact. Um, 
Anyways, if the pitcher does throw over twice, now all of a sudden the runner can get a huge lead without any threat of that pitcher throwing over. Otherwise, it's a balk anyway, and he gets second. So I think the, that rule change is why you're seeing this increase, obviously. But more, more so the bigger bases, they want the game to be more exciting. And I think that's one of the knocks against modern baseball is that the statistical analysis took away the excitement of baseball a little bit. Sure. The hit and runs, um, like when you send a runner stealing and the hitter tries to hit it. Yeah. You're wreaking havoc that way. You know, when somebody is running to second base from first base and the pitch is being thrown, the shortstop and the second baseman are moving during that time and it's opening up holes in the defense now for the hitter so that's that's one of the reasons why you would want to do hit and run so i i like it i want to see more of that strategy implemented now the pitch clock on the other hand is something that i think it's really great in theory because it is obviously the main driver right now of the sped up approach to baseball so i i don't really want it to go away however comma i feel like There's a lot of arbitrary rules in the middle of this pitch clock Mm -hmm. that are just like giving too much power to umpires. Especially one umpire. One umpire. And and I don't like that about it. And I don't know yet how to find a way around it. But it, it feels sort of like a lame approach to keeping a position relevant that is also under a lot of scrutiny with like, talks of robot umpires in the future and well now you need this human back there to make this arbitrary decision about eight seconds is the batter set or not oh what happens if he's not like i'm gonna bring up the machado incident because we happened to see it yesterday and i don't like it i can also argue the other side of it where i didn't see a lot of this this weekend you know i didn't see a lot of incidents like manny this weekend so i i think it's fair to say that his incident was in the minority sure it's only been one week i don't want to see a lot of these incidents though i don't want to see a batter put his hand up to call time with eight seconds clearly visible to everyone watching the video and and have the ump not acknowledge that and then you know be like you're out and then oh by the way i'm throwing you out of the game for arguing with me about it yeah all those people that just paid money to go to that game and watch Manny Machado play at his home field yeah, got robbed of that by the umpire. And I don't like that part of the game. Who checks the umpire? I mean, the umpires are evaluated, but it's a very... What's the what's the word we always use? It's a very platitude-y uh, thing because there's a lot of bad umpires that have been around for a long time. And just like the players' union, there's an umpire's union too okay. that protects them. But at that moment, at that plate, there was visibly eight seconds left, and Manny did move his hand and ask for timeout. Right. Why nobody could challenge that decision? I that's mean, a good. Why, that's you know? a good question. You know, like if we're gonna allow challenges about first base and and, yeah. and the timing of it, I think it should be fair to say like when a batter called time or not. And like I, I, I didn't like it. I, I don't like it. I think someone made a interesting fix for the problem i saw on twitter and i I forgot who made the point so i can't give them credit for it the fix was if because a player only gets to call timeout once per at bat but if they haven't called their timeout yet that if they aren't set when the pitch clock reaches eight which is i think what the rule is right yes you have to be set to hit and so if they aren't set to hit with eight seconds left on the clock 
and they haven't used their timeout yet, then they should automatically be charged their timeout then before they're just rung up and like, oh, you're out. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's a little bit more fair or will hopefully help condition players with muscle memory as the season goes along. Because I think Manny's incident was so unfortunate yesterday because it was a muscle memory thing. It hadn't kicked in yet. He spent time in the World Baseball Classic. He did not spend a lot of time hitting in spring training. He had a spring training incident where he was rung up on strikes because I remember him joking that he was going to be the answer to a trivia question. Because he was the first player. But he was the first player in spring training to be rung up mm-hmm. on strikes for not being ready. And now he's probably the first player to be ejected over the new rule. So anyways, um, that was some early observations, I guess, from week one as far as like rule changes goes. Um, I do like the pitch clock. Mm-hmm. I think it needs to be modified in some ways. It needs to be tweaked, and I'm not really ready to commit to what those changes should be, but I think there's been some good ideas out there, and I think there's been some bad ideas out there. Well, according to people in MLB world, the pitch clock has been mean tested in the minor leagues prior to being implemented in MLB, so they know how the clock works. With what you're suggesting, I don't think they have tested this out yet. It would be nice to put it in the minors to see how it can get implemented in the majors eventually. I mean, you have to understand, people in my generation grew up learning about baseball, being taught that the pitcher controls the tempo of the game. And as hitters, you were, and base runners, as we mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. you were always trying to get the pitcher out of their rhythm. Having this forced rhythm put upon the game that's up tempo is basically what they're doing and i think it's going to favor some pitchers at first that like to work quickly over pitchers slower more methodical or or want to or just want to have that power to control like hey i'm going to take an extra breath here or i'm going to take an extra second it's not to say they work slow the whole game but they want to be methodical they already took away the shift Mm -hmm. so they're already taking a lot of outs away from pitchers right now so now also having to force them to work fast and not to allow them to have their own like timeout system as well is a little bit, it's a lot. It's too early to tell because it is only a week. Well, and you've had like pitchers manipulating the rules. Yeah, exactly. Advantage where they're getting set before the hitter. Right. And then so- they're delivering the ball as soon as the hitter is ready and it's what's called quick pitching right hear them talk about quick pitching that's what they're they're saying is that the pitcher is not waiting a beat for For the the better to be set and that's this is all arbitrary it's like someone's opinion to decide this and that's what i don't like about it i just want it to be black and white Mm -hmm. but but they're leaving so much gray area of interpretation. Again, you're going to have this like idea that like, oh, well, every ump can interpret the rule differently. Game to game, week to week, over time, like all these games are going to be decided by these rules. You're just giving, in my opinion, way too much power to the umpire. Those fans in San Diego yesterday were paying to watch Manny Machado play baseball. They were not paying money to watch the umpire call balls and strikes. No. That's that's an arbitrary part of the game. Um, okay. Yeah. I wanted to quickly go through the divisions okay. and check on some storylines that we're looking at. Uh, at. Early on in the season, I like to look at runs scored versus runs against and sort of 
it's an easy way to say like, well, who's hitting and who's not and who's pitching good and who's not as a team. Okay. It has a little bit less to do with individual performances right now because it's it's more about how the teams as a whole. As a whole. You, you want to see if these trends are going to continue and who's going to be there at the end, I guess. You know, yeah. We want to kind of evaluate that. This is just early, early stuff. Yeah. And it can obviously change throughout the season. This is just race out of the gate. Race out of the gate. Well, we were going to start in the NL East this time. Okay. Um, we can do that. NL East is... We don't, we don't watch a lot of it, but it does have what I would consider a pretty stacked lineup of talent these days. You have Atlanta, New York Mets, Philadelphia Phillies. I think all three of those teams going into the season consider themselves contenders for the division. Um, Miami, more of a young, upcoming team. but Marlins? Marlins? Yeah. The Marlins, yeah. The Marlins. They're, they're a young, up-and-coming team. They do have Sandy Alcantara, who mm-hmm. pitched a gem last night 100 pitches shut out complete game against the twins so you, you just have a lot of talent in there and i don't like to discount the nationals because i know that they got a lot of talent from the padres last year in that juan soto trade and you know uh, mackenzie gore is a good pitcher cj abrams is going to be a good player it's fair to say that this is a rebuilding team right now so it might not be this year but it may be a year. Well, they're going to win some games yeah that's, definitely. that's the bigger point they're going to wreak some havoc they're going to upset the mets or the phillies a couple nights and like at the end of the season and they're going to they're going to get better throughout the season so the nationals are going to they're going to upset somebody in september when it matters yeah one of these teams. Um, Hopefully they can play good baseball. I think the biggest storyline in the NL East right now is that the Phillies are 1-4. And they're getting outscored 16-38. to 38, And it's just, that just jumps out at you. This team was in the World Series last year. Um, and with those lopsided numbers like that, they are currently only one team, the Marlins, has scored less runs than them in all of baseball. You, you don't think about that. Even with a team with Trey Turner and Kyle Schwarber on it right now. Oh, I forgot. Nick Turner. Castellanos. Like, mm-hmm. you don't think about that with this team. So No, you don't. You That just that just jumps out at you. And it's like, I want to see where they're at next week. I want to remember this week that this is where, the, you know, I want to see where they're at. Yeah, Phillies, they, only, they just won their first game. So they're kind of late out of the gate. Late out of the gate. <laughs> um. Okay. So this is NL East. Yeah. Um, as far as those Mets, I just want to like cover sure. the Mets really fast and the Braves. Oh, yeah. The Mets are, I, I don't, I'm, I'm concerned if I'm a Mets fan. Why do you say that? Well, I'm I've got just, pitching. Yeah. They have older pitching. Yes. You know, Verlander and Scherzer are not young. And, and so they're just banking a lot on those arms and they lost their closer. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm just concerned if I'm a Mets fan. They are, after week one, negative 10 runs on the runs scored versus the runs against differential. And so, again, it's just, I don't expect the Mets and the Phillies to stay in the negatives all season, but I think it is a little bit concerning that both of those teams are in the position that they're in. The Braves, meanwhile, just keep on wrecking the way they wreck. Plus yeah. 15 on the run differential right now. 27 scored versus 12 against as the time of this. And I believe 
they're up early in St. Louis, and whether that holds or not, we'll find out. So, yeah, the NL East, the Braves, though, they Watch just out. look up. Acuna looks healthy like he was before the knee injury, and we, we kind of sensed that this might happen, that he was going to kind of have a slow start last year. And then the pitching on the Braves is just, you, you can't ignore it. Like no. with Max Fried and Spencer Strider leading the way now, um, and I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting others, but... Braves didn't suffer from a lack of pitching. They never had. And they're well-managed. Yeah. Um, we were talking about this earlier that the Freddie Freeman trade last year might have caught some of the players off guard and whatnot. But we also said that Acuna was the, the meat Glue? and the potatoes of the group, not an older Freddie Freeman. Acuna was a player worth building your franchise around with mm-hmm. his potential. Whether yeah. it all works out or not is remains to be seen, but it looks like the early returns are that they made the right choice. Yes. Okay, moving on to the AL East. Oh, AL East. Okay, Tampa Bay. Yeah. Wow. Tampa Bay is 5-0, and uh, we have their game on right now. It looks like they're going to be 6-0. and Yeah, they play in Washington. Poor Washington. Yeah. Tampa Bay, you know, they probably have the best pitching in that entire division. And it's really scary to see that they're off to this hot of a start if I'm the other teams in that division. Wow, you say the best pitching, huh? Okay. Yeah, they just, as a five or six person rotation, I think, yes. It might not be the biggest individual names, but it, it is the best on paper, like one through six. Sure, and they in a top division too. They with Yankees, Boston, Toronto. They play in a very tough division. So the fact that they're off to a good start is really good for them. It's really bad news for Toronto. And I wanted to point out that Vlad Jr. doesn't have any home runs yet. Really? He hasn't hit any home runs? But he got on base. He had to be He's definitely base. gotten hits. Yeah. No. Okay. He just hasn't gone yard yet. Okay. Um, it's something I like to kind of keep track of just because I don't have anything against Vlad. I just think that he's a little bit overrated sometimes. And I worry about his longevity as a player. Okay. It's not personal. He already had a knee injury in spring training. And oh, this year? Yeah. Kept him out of the World Baseball Classic. Oh, that's right. And played. That's right. Obviously the right decision, mm-hmm. but I, I'm wondering how much of that knee injury is going to hinder him throughout the season because mm-hmm. he's not healthy and he's playing through it. it. can definitely hinder his performance, but I'm concerned if I'm a Blue Jays fan right now. So far, like the numbers aren't awful for Vladimir Jr., He's got a 278 average on the season so far, like five hits and 18 at-bats. I mean, there's just not a large enough sample size sure. to be alarmingly concerned. It's just when you look at the Blue Jays' power, though, across the board from their big hitters, you know, they have Bo Bichette, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., George Springer, Matt Chapman. Those guys have one home run between the four of them to start the season. And it's obviously affecting the Blue Jays because of where they are in the standings, you know, they are in last place. How was their pitching? They've given up a lot of runs as well when you look at other teams that are doing a lot better than them. If I'm just looking at, like, the Twins and the Tampa Bay, for example, giving up 11 runs and 6 runs versus Toronto's giving up 32. That's Okay. I know they have the the Japanese player, uh, the pitcher. Who does? The Blue Jays. Oh, yeah. Gucci? Yeah. Is he any good? He's actually having a good start this year. Time will tell, I guess. He's had He had one start this year, and he's started 91 games in his career. So he's a veteran. Yeah, he had a good start. We'll see if it holds. Obviously, it'll be good if it does. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so Blue Jays are kind of on the down. They're trending down. They're trending down. I'm, I'm yeah. concerned if I'm a Blue Jays fan after this start. It's a tough division. 
So this was the AL East. It was. So we're going to move on to the NL Central. Okay. And uh, and the AL Central. But uh, NL Central. NL Central. As we mentioned last week, we followed the Cubs. Yes. So we'll start with the boys in blue over in Wrigley. And they looked really sharp on opening day, but kind of since then, not so much. They did win last night over the Reds, and we'll see how they look next week. I, I am surprised, though, that Milwaukee is doing so well. They look flat on opening day. They have new players, and they have, like, some dissension in the ranks with Corbin Burns, I know, being upset oh. with his arbitration in the offseason. Okay. And he did not look sharp on opening day, and I thought that was going to be, like, kind of foreboding. I, I did not have the Brewers doing well this year. No. Uh, we had the Cardinals, actually, and they yeah. last. And the Cardinals are in last place. Mm-hmm. So, of all things, you know, like, you just can't predict this game. No. <laughs> But I think more importantly is that if you Pittsburgh. look, what about Pittsburgh? I don't know. <laughs> no, I wasn't no. talking about Pittsburgh. I, I I want Pittsburgh to be better because I think it's good for baseball, but we can talk about Pittsburgh. But what I wanted to say about the Cardinals is I was surprised. They have a really tough opening to mm-hmm. their schedule because they're playing Atlanta right now. But all their games have been at home. Um, and if you look at the standings right now, the Cardinals are in last place. Now it's only been five games, so there's obviously a long haul to go here. And... I don't think they're going to stay there. And I don't know if Milwaukee's going to stay where they're at. Now, I don't think so. They're pitching it really good, though. Pitching? So yeah. And their offense has been good. I remember Cardinals had this trend. They always get hot at the end of a season. They do. And they come together as a team when it comes to May and they just pummel. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. I don't expect things to stay where they are in the in the central right now. You know, the Cubs are going to score runs. The Cardinals are going to score runs. The Brewers are going to score runs. Even the Reds might be scoring some runs, it looks like. But Milwaukee, through the first week at least, by far has the best pitching in the division. Yeah. And again, if I'm those other teams, I'm scared that the Brewers are off to a hot start, especially if they have the best pitching in the division. Yeah. Um. Keep an eye on Milwaukee. Keep an eye on Milwaukee. Definitely the Brew Crew. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Pittsburgh. I like Pittsburgh because I like O'Neill Cruz and I like Brian Hayes and I want these guys to succeed. They're young players, but they're they're not all stars yet. I think it would be good for Pittsburgh to be a good team in baseball. Yeah, it's fairly new team. I mean, I'm sorry, it's fairly young team. It is a young team. It is definitely not a new team. <laughs> One of the oldest teams in baseball. That's why I think they. it would be good for baseball if sure. they were a, you know, consistent playoff contender year after year. But oh, yeah. you could say that about a lot of cities, so I understand. It would um, be good for baseball. Definitely. The AL Central, on the other hand. Okay. The worst division in baseball. Oh. <laughs> the worst. Well, the White Sox, disappointing and... Now there's word on the street is Eloy is going on the disabled list mm-hmm. with a hamstring injury again. And it's just like it the story of this guy's life is like being on the disabled list. I'm just tired of it. Yeah. So I feel for your White Sox fans. It's it's hard when you're not playing with your full arsenal all the time to stay in the hunt. So to have him go down after the first week is rough, especially when you have like Cleveland and Minnesota in the division. I mean, Cleveland is coming off their playoff run last year. They got pretty deep. They got to be feeling good about their chances. And Minnesota only giving up six runs through the first five games. That's like almost a run a game, basically. Yeah. Like, uh, that's that's shocking. And I'm just curious how that's going to unfold over the next week even. You know, I'm curious if we're going to be sitting here looking at the Twins. Are, is their pitching still going to be looking that dominant? 
Yeah, is Correa Correa is on the Twins still, right? And he's not making a ton of noise, and they're just not. That's okay. He's a good hitter. Well, yeah, he was. He had all the drama in the offseason, of course, getting signed by 3T. But the biggest surprise for the Twins by far has been Joey Gallo because Joey Gallo had his best game since 2019. He's currently got four hits and 16 at-bats, so he's hitting in a 250. Uh, but he's got three homers and seven RBIs, so three of his four hits have been home runs. So it's kind of safe to say the change of scenery helped Joey Gallo. I mean, he's had a few changes of scenery. He's been on the Rangers, the Yankees, the Dodgers, and now the Twins in the last two or three years. It's the Minnesota weather. I guess so. But you West. Correa. Correa's batting. He, he hasn't definitely peaked or anything yet. No homers on the season and batting 217. So. What about the Detroit? Yeah, uh, Detroit, just more young players. I, I think... We have players on their team. We just don't know what's going to happen with yet. Like Spencer Torkelson is one, and Riley Green is the other one. Um, it, it's just a tough year for these these guys. What do you think of the Royals? They are only one, Again, one game. They're just too young. Too they young. were too young last year. They have Bobby Wood Jr. in there? <laughs> yeah, they do. They haven't put pieces around, unfortunately. Okay, so I don't think they're going to go far this year. Well, based on the early returns, no. But they're not getting outscored as much as Detroit. I'm more concerned if I'm Detroit right now because I'm getting outscored by a lot more runs. And the Royals appear to have a better pitching. We'll see how the numbers even out over the course of the next week and month. You know, Okay. We'll have a lot better idea if any of these trends I'm talking about right now are going to hold or not. I don't expect them all to hold. No. I'm going to write them in the book of predictions. Well, they're not. These aren't predictions so far as... Just looking at the first week of numbers and, like, looking at who the eye-openers are. You know? Sure. Okay, well, the AL Central is admittedly not my specialty. I don't watch a ton of games. I did watch the White Sox this week, and I watched Cleveland a little bit because they were playing the Mariners. Yeah. I'm going to move on to the NL West, which we watch a lot more of. And I got to say, unfortunately, our Padres have been going through some pitching difficulties, especially in the middle innings. Yeah, sounds like a rough patch in the bullpen. Yeah, the team isn't 100%. I don't know any team that's going to ever be 100%. I think the one thing that jumps out at me about the Friars is that they're getting outscored right now, and I did not necessarily have that on my list of things mm-hmm. to be happening. And and to be fair, I think it's a little bit of a lopsided because they just had an awful stretch just in their game yesterday where they gave up a, a lot of runs. They were up at 1.5 to 1, and then they... They tanked. They yeah. tanked at the end. Double digit like yeah. on the Arizona side. So Arizona is getting outscored by 12 runs this year, and they won big yesterday against the Padres. So what does that tell you? Um, that tells you that the Padres' bullpen was awful in the middle innings. It's been really bad. It's been, considering what they were praised, how much they were praised last year as a great yes. bullpen and the relieving. And well, they need Suarez back, for sure, and they need to figure it out. So the one bright spot for San Diego when it came to pitching this week, I thought, was Seth Lugo when he pitched on Sunday, I believe it was. Like, mm-hmm. he's a guy that the pitch clock really looks like it favors. He doesn't throw the hardest. It's not to say that he's not throwing hard. It's just that he doesn't have, like, Heat? 99 up there. He's not bringing 99 miles an hour up there. He's he's bringing 92, 93. But he was throwing that 12 o'clock to 6 o'clock curveball they talk where it, like, just drops. like He was just planting it in there against some of these hitters and, and throwing it for strikes, you know. And he was ahead of hitters all day. And 
a guy like that that works quick, gets ahead of hitters like that, he's going to have success with these pitching clock rules. Would you say he's more of a mechanical a pitcher? I mean, I think every pitcher better be a mechanical pitcher. <laughs> what I would say about Seth Lugo is he doesn't try to overdo anything with his body, you know? Okay. Whereas some group. people, I feel like, pitch with too much herky-jerky motion, whatever you want to call it. You never want to tell anybody how to, like, do something in baseball mm-hmm. because everyone has their own personal preference. But when it comes to pitching, I would always argue that you should cut out any unnecessary motion. It's another thing to go wrong. Okay. Are you talking stuff like Clevenger that has this rocking motion, or are you talking about just anything? I mean, it's a timing mechanism for people, too. When it's all in motion, when it's all working out great, it's great. Yeah. But when it's not working out great, the more things that you're doing mechanically, the higher chances are, or it's harder to find exactly what the mechanical problem is. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you have less that you're doing. It's a lot easier to pinpoint. Correct. Yeah. So in the meantime, unfortunately, the Dodgers have gotten off to a ridiculous start. You know, they're outscoring everyone by 25 runs. So, yeah, even though they're only 4-2, and two, we're, we're only a game back. Arizona and San Francisco a game back. It's going to be a tight division all year long. It's it's sad, or not sad, it's uh, scary as a Padres fan to see the Dodgers, you know, outscoring their opponents by so much, especially when they're playing the same teams we played, the Rockies and the Diamondbacks. Sometimes. It's a long season. Um, we just got you back. He pitched pretty decent yesterday, unfortunately, and then didn't get uh, the bullpen relief that he needed. So we'll see where it goes. Um, Again, we'll have a lot better idea of where things are sitting after a month Mm -hmm. versus where we are now. Sure. And Fernando just started playing his minor league tune-up games. So He's got 15 games to do. He will be back in action. Looks like 15 days from now is the target as long as there's no rainouts or anything before then. Okay. So he has to play those 15 games in order to come back. He does not have to. He's allowed to okay. play 15 games in the minor leagues as part of his suspension so that he can be tuned up and ready to go when those games end, when mm-hmm. his suspension is up. I think, you know, hopefully he can take the limelight off of everyone else. and Put it on himself? It's going to be there when he shows up regardless. Yes. People are going to want to watch and want to see. He's going to have a lot of pressure on him. Hopefully that takes a lot of pressure off other players. That's why they brought him all there. So. <laughs> We'll see. We see. We're Padres fans, so obviously we're biased. <laughs> biased, 100%. Bit. Sorry, Dodgers fans, if we're making you vomit right now. Okay, I guess the key thing for San Diego is, like, let's not panic as as much as I'm ripping out other teams. Okay, <laughs> AL West. Wow. Angels. Angels. Top of the mat. Top of the division. For this week, at least. So, and then and Texas as well is up there. And we talked about okay. Texas last week as maybe being a surprise team to watch out for because we know they have improved pitching and they just have you know, been building this kind of young talent and they combined it with Seeger now, uh, Corey Seeger and Marcus Simeon. And so they have some veterans around. And the pitcher. And then they have DeGrom they brought in to complement the other young pitchers. So yeah, don't count out the Rangers, you know, like obviously the pitching is not necessarily 
numbers wise as great as some of the other teams have been but i'm curious where they're all going to sit after a month and after a couple months the biggest surprise i think when you look at this division is where the the astros are already behind they're at the bottom of the division but also like two losses behind i like to look at losses more as an indicator of how far back teams are falling than wins and when i look at the astros they're just not getting the offensive production going in their way they haven't scored few runs but their pitching obviously hasn't been as sharp well they lost pitchers they did lose Verlander uh, Altuve I know he's not a pitcher but yeah he's a little spark plug in there so he is like I said 26 runs isn't too shabby but at the end of the day they're getting outscored so much like the Padres I wouldn't be too concerned about this if I'm an Astros fan yet, but the Astros got to have a bullseye on their back. You know, they've been <laughs> up there so much over the years, the last few years especially. So the other surprise too is to see Seattle down low, um, especially because they opened the season at home. A team that's projected to go to the playoffs, you don't necessarily like look at them as starting the season two and four, you know, like not even 500. So it's not good to have a losing record at home. And so after the first week, it is concerning. And I, I, I'm going to make a bold prediction right now and say that the Seattle Mariners will not, unfortunately, make the playoffs this year. They made it last year. They did. Okay. Um, you don't think they're going to make it this year, huh? I don't. I think the division has gotten better. And I think they have not necessarily not tried to improve or anything. I just don't think they have improved enough, especially because I, the Angels and the Rangers are going to be hungry. And, and like I said, everyone is running and gunning for Houston. Yes. It's I... early. You know, Seattle has arguably one of the best players in baseball with Julio Rodriguez. So you can't just write him off. But this is not a good start for them no. at home. They played the Guardians and they played the Angels. And oh, by the way, they got to face Otani tonight. So by the time anyone hears this podcast, they might be even in worse shape. Good luck. <laughs> good luck. So you forgot to mention Orioles. I did. I wanted to make a special note of the oh, Orioles okay. because uh, the Orioles are playing today uh-huh. at the Rangers of all oh. places. And it's a big day for the Orioles because they are calling up Grayson Rodriguez, who is, according to Major League Baseball, the number seven overall prospect. Again, take these numbers with a grain of salt until anybody has logged a substantial time in the major leagues to figure out their long-term value. Um, he's a pitcher, right? He's a pitcher, and, and he has the fortunate honor of starting his first game tonight against Jacob DeGrom. No pressure there. No pressure there. So, we'll all be watching that. The but Baltimore, man, they're in that tough division with the the Blue Rays. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> the Blue Rays, that's a new team. <laughs> the, I I will always call them the Devil Rays, but the Tampa Bay Rays, um tough. I'm looking right now, top of the 8th, they're beating Washington 7 to 2. It looks yes. like they're going to be heading to 6 and 0 start. So, the Orioles are in my opinion one of the most fun teams to watch in baseball this year and they just have this rare combination of young talent that you, they could they could do things you know you know you just don't know you know yeah. um on paper they've been scoring a lot of runs they've been stealing a lot of bases um and now they're bringing up this pitcher you know uh when you've been as bad as you've been as as the Orioles have been over a long period of time and I'm talking about like no playoff appearances and stuff um mm-hmm. You gotta be getting good at some point, right? Like if your scouts are doing their job, you're getting earlier so. draft picks than other teams. 
They just drafted Jackson Holiday number one overall in the draft, and he is the son of former Major League Baseball player Matt Holiday, who was a, a former batting champion for the National League in the Rockies. So things are looking up in Baltimore, and I think it's a fun time to watch. Uh, they have Adley Rushman playing catcher. He might be the best hitting catcher since Johnny Bench. Uh, they have Gunnar Henderson playing outfield. They have Cedric Mullins playing outfield like a speed demon on the base paths. They have a lot of talent. They do. So it's just a matter of, like, will all these young players come together and pan out like they did in, like, Washington, for example, a few years ago when you had, like, Soto and Trey mm-hmm. Turner and Bryce Harper all on the same team. Yeah. So, yeah, that— your Baltimore Orioles, ironically, which is right next to Washington, D.C., could be your next Nationals. Yeah, it could be, really. They're playing right now against the Rangers. Unfortunately, Rangers are on top. Well, two. it's 2-2 two to two in, in my scorebook. 2-2? Two to two? So the Orioles just scored? Wow, my thing is way behind, I guess. Time to hit that refresh button, babe. That's a good idea. It's there for a reason. The Grom is pitching to Mateo, your boy. You wanted to give a special mention to Mateo, right? Yeah, he was mentioned for stealing bases. Yeah, he's off to a hot start with that. He has four, I believe, on the season. And we'll see how those stolen base numbers continue. Um, you know, it's, it's thought that another reason stolen bases went down is because too many players get hurt stealing bases, and it takes a toll on your body. Um, I don't want to see the game get boring because people are afraid to get hurt. In my opinion, if you're afraid to get hurt, that's when you're going to get hurt the most. Yes. So that's all I got to say about that. That's why they say defensive, not aggressive driving. Was it defensive driving is better than, I forget what it's called. If you're too scared to drive, you shouldn't be driving. Yeah, I mean, definitely be a defensive driver. Definitely pay attention to the others around you. Sure. But at the same time, yeah, if you're afraid that someone's going to hit you the whole time, like, yeah, you're going to be... You're creating more problems. Yeah. Exactly. That will be exactly the same way with the baseball. If you're afraid that the ball is going to hit you at some point, you might as well just give it up (laughs) because you will get hurt. Absolutely. Well, hopefully the stolen bases stay up, you know, the offense stays up. And uh, yeah, hopefully if you've listened this long, you are enjoying our baseball analysis because it's something that we uh, enjoy talking about with you guys. And it's something we want to keep doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have any feedback for us on this or our food topic, uh, you should get a hold of us. Nika, how can people get a hold of us in our podcast if they want to ask us a question or leave us a comment? You can just email at fastingshaman at gmail.com. It's one word, fasting shaman. One That's word. Fasting shaman, F-A-S-T-I-N-G-S-H-A-M-A-N at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you uh, and let us know how much we suck. Let us know how much we suck or how much, uh, how good we're doing. Any feedback will be great. Really. Any feedback would be great. But ultimately, we do hope that our food talks are helping people navigate this crazy world of food intake. It doesn't have to be as complicated as the brands would like it to be. Yes, spot on. And our baseball topics. Baseball topics will continue. Um, so if you have any thoughts or if you have any topics you'd like us to cover, let us know, and I'll definitely put in the research and time. In the meantime, I this is Kenny Time. I am signing off from this week's episode of Coffee and Gaming, episode number four. Thank you for your time. Nika.
out. Nika out, Kenny time out. See you next week. Bye. Oh, 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 oh,